Welcome to C-Suite Radio. It's time for another edition of The Brett Allen Show. It's go time, you and me! Join us weekly for the latest pop culture interviews from your favorite TV shows, movies, comedians, and so much more. Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you, it felt good. Plus, you never know who will drop by. What happened here was a miracle. Now, here is your host. I said throw down, boy. Welcome to the night's main event. Brett Allen. Brett Allen here, and today on the show, we have a very special guest. I'm excited, Anna Valenzuela. She is a comedian, and she is recording her special this Sunday night at the Comedy Fort in Fort Collins, one of my favorite places. Congratulations. And Thank you. How, yeah, of course. How exciting is it to be on the cusp here of recording a special? I mean, that's a big deal. It's terrifying. Um, I I've been doing these jokes for like nine years and so it it's it's been awesome to kind of like put it all together and i'm really proud of it i did a run through here in la and it it really flows nicely so not that that really matters anymore Uh, it's all about them serious xm plays you know so it's about joke by joke but um i think it's going to be a really cool experience people are going to want to see it live because it's going to be really really fun yeah so the comedy fort why that place to record it because it's a great place i'm just curious well first off um i know david uh the the owner of the fort and um i i i've known him from california and he built a club that is designed for comics to want to go there yeah it it works really well It has a a beautiful audio video setup, but also um, the crowds are well trained. Um, I know at the fort, it's a fun demographic of like, it's like half, it's the part of Colorado that feels more like Colorado, not like Denver, which feels like, yeah, it's still Colorado, but I call Denver white Lana. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah, I live in Loveland. So trust me, I know. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um, and the scene out in Colorado right now is amazing. They've been really great for, uh, just really good to me. I've done, um, high plains and uh i've come out and, and done a ton of shows there for a few years now so i felt comfortable with the crowd um it just seemed right and i have to tell you there's a magical part about the date so i was stressing out where am i going to record this i'm freaking out and matt Alato martin i don't know if you've interviewed him but he's a delight he suggested why don't you try david at the fort and i was like okay he gave me uh the day of november 19th this sunday and just to give you an idea it's a very special weekend for me so the 18th i'm going to be featuring uh, the 17th and 18th i'm featuring for Lori kilmartin okay hero love her like literally dog sit for her love her so much so there's that um then the 18th is my 21st year clean and sober love it <laughs> so it's a big day and the 19th is the 24th anniversary of my dad's death which i always try to celebrate him on that day so um i think it's a cool day it's like a cool day to do it it's 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 uh changing the narrative of what most people he always told me don't stop 
it's it's any other day treat it like any other day and so it just felt like the right date the right time the right location the right weekend like everything felt great so so that's that's the the fun backstory on that day yeah i mean the energy will be high for sure and i do like the four those guys are great jeff albright i mean they're just really good friends and i i love that place i love going to see shows there i have been to the clubs in denver but Mm -hmm. i the ford is close so there's that and i like that they just they really seem to give a lot of comics a lot of opportunities that i think is maybe i don't i'm not familiar i'm from the bay area so the comedy scene there is a lot different Mm -hmm. um it's a lot more competitive from at least just because of the experience of knowing people who are involved but i love the fort because there seems to be just a core group of comedians that come in and out of there whether it's the industry shows that they do or it's featuring for headliners like you're doing and i think it's a very special place and yes the crowd is very well trained there's i haven't seen any hecklers so far (laughs) yeah Uh, i think they stress to not do that but it's just a fun place so how exciting for you yeah it's really cool i um i i love that you came from the bay because it is um Colorado has similar but different vibes and you picked up on something that's really special about the fort. You know, um, I am a 41 year old Latina who started comedy at 30, which is comedy geriatric. And so I, you know, to get an opportunity to record an album at that club at any club Mm. is a huge deal at this level. What I should be doing is trying to like get a good feature weekend at a great club and not really like state what's going on or do a small theater or something local. So to get this big headliner opportunity, um, it was amazing. Like I, I thanked him so much and he was like, of course I, I support your comedy. I want you to succeed. And so I think that that's like, For those of you listening, if you're not aware of the comedy business, we do not have an HR department. They have not gotten affirmative action notices. They don't know anything about the AEOC out at at, uh, old comedy's HR department. So um, (laughs) it is is just a a tumbleweed in a fedora. That is our HR representative out in the comedy world. So the, the point is, is like, the fact that they are going out of their way. I'm on an independent comedy label called um, Burn This Records, and they're also supporting women and people of color. And and it's, um, you know, while a lot of the biggest names in comedy are women right now, it's really difficult to convince club owners that women sell tickets and that women sell. And David didn't even think twice. I, I mean, he messaged me in five minutes. So, you know, so I'm again, so grateful. I know we're just talking about the club, uh, but uh, I love it though. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. Especially cause like one thing I love about Denver and not the Denver Fort Collins, uh, Colorado surrounding areas um, is it's a very empathetic group of people. And I do dark autobiographical comedy. And so there's always a moment where I'm like, hey, 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 sweet white folks, don't feel bad for me. <laughs> you get a lot of oohs and ahs when you tell those stories. Yeah, they're like, oh, 
because they because um sort of empathy is the undercurrent of my stand-up i'm bringing people into my experience i'm i want people to feel like i've invited them into my living room and i'm telling them the best story like i'm yeah. telling them a crazy story and so that connection especially um you know up there in colorado sometimes i have to be like okay guys like i'm okay i'm okay <laughs> and um and so uh i'm just really excited for that because it's it's very fun I've, I've just learned to say like don't feel bad for me buy me merch you know like buy my merch buy my uh you know venmo me money don't worry about it you know um because to me they're all positive stories like everything yeah. is growth everything is uh everything is funny to me so humor is the coping mechanism and i'm inviting people in on that experience so i'm very i'm very excited to share that yes i think that's important to understand about comedy is like if you're okay you generally speaking are yeah. okay with what you're saying then the audience should be okay too but there's that cuspus of uncomfortability too <laughs> of should I be laughing at this or should I not be laughing? And I think as a someone who interviews comics regularly, but also enjoys the experience mm -hmm. of a club, I think I've learned to be okay because if it wasn't meant to be laughed at, you probably wouldn't be talking about it, right? Unless right. it's not like an inappropriate moment. But even then, I think those uncomfortable, I mean, Anthony Jeselnik's really good at that, is bringing yes. people to the edge and then, making them laugh and then flipping a U-turn and going, okay, should I have laughed at that or not? Yeah, it's funny. So it's okay to laugh. Yeah. Um, another great comic with that um, is uh, 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 Bill Burr. He yeah. I mean, he does it in a different way. He's going observational, right? right? And so both of them are observational comics where they're taking you to the edge and then they're pulling you back in and that, that coming back in, you come back in deeper and um and I love that. Um, and it's, uh, it's always been, it's just always been about a part of my style to just be like, let me tell you this crazy story. And, um, and so, uh, and every, every single bit on the album has been a closing bit. It has been, yeah. I've, I felt comfortable enough with it to, to close. Um, and not to say that there isn't any observation in that or there isn't any roasting if you is some of you might know me from uh comedy central's roast battle that's kind of the what yeah, i was going to talk to you about that that's another big one yeah 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 so i spent i i started comedy when i was 32 and i started doing um roast battle pretty quickly because i came up in the long beach and orange county area which is okay. la adjacent <laughs> basically yeah yeah la adjacent and that was our way um to kind of like break into the comedy store was to to get stage time at the comedy store uh, a bunch of my friends were doing roast battle and they challenged me to do it and i set out to do roast battle with the intention of learning how to write really solid jokes and um it just seemed like the best boot camp for that and so um so I started doing that about a year in, like a crazy person. Yeah, that's and bold for sure. Bold, right? I didn't even sign up to the comedy store till I had a year in um, for their open mic, which is actually quite bold as well. And um, hold on really quick here. I'm so sorry. I got to airplane mode myself sorry unprofessional um unacceptable that's okay. unacceptable off the pod no i'm kidding um yeah no i um 
I started doing it and I had no intentions of, I know a lot of people were doing it kind of hearing rumbles that there was going to be a TV show and that all these things were going to happen. I just loved it. And I just love writing jokes. I love the math of a roast joke. To me, that is math, or it's, it's joke arithmetic. You know, it's like there's certain structures, certain formulas, you go for it. You, I seek for word economy. There's some roasters that go in these like long journeys. That's not me. Um, and which is funny because I have an autobiographical, let's go on a long journey style in my, um, in my regular writing. But as far as like roasting gave me the, the bones, the materials, the technique to get to those longer bits and to keep them fun and punchy all the way through. Um, but yeah, I did that and at two years into stand up, I was having a panic attack backstage before doing a TV show. It was wild. It was boom, boom, boom. Um, and uh, after that, all of my friends went on to write for TV and um, I had some health problems and I got to work the road and thank god because i've become a comedian in that time like that's and 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 the colorado area has been a huge part of that journey you know like coming there doing shows making a little money you can't make any money in in la uh just let you know you have a lot of people move out here because in order to get seen you got to be out here but i have to tell you you're not going to make any money. So you got to work the road. Um, That's where the money is for most comedians is the road. The road. Exactly. The road. And you can make a little bit of money in New York. I don't think you can make living in New York money, um, but it's, you know, working the road is, is it. And so um, coming out there and doing shows has been a big part of the journey. So it just felt, felt natural. Like, Oh yeah, I'm going to place I know. Um, And uh and yeah, so uh, I'm just I'm just so excited. I'm also so ready to be done telling these jokes. <laughs> I'm ready to put them yeah, to bed. <laughs> I can imagine you're like ready to do something different. Well, nine years, 10 years is about the mark for most people before they try and do a special or yeah. it's advised to do a special by yeah. anybody from what I understand. Yeah, I have a, um, I have a lot of friends that... Uh, jumped out and did um they did albums at about five years and between five and six years and i helped some of those folks punch their albums up like my my biggest fear was i didn't want to put out anything mediocre no no because once you do it's out there forever it doesn't go away right i didn't want to feel like i had more room to explore the concepts of the jokes um within those specific jokes if that makes sense it does yeah it does yeah yeah i wanted to make sure everything was really fully explored and by the time i got to that the pandemic happened and so so i was i was grounded with with everyone else and um and so it's cool because there's updates to the material i think it all happened uh, right when it was supposed to, I have all the, a lot of jokes. In fact, I was told this by a doctor who goes to the comedy for it. If you're there, I will be so excited that my jokes are medically accurate. Um, I have jokes about reproductive health because I've had some reproductive health issues and I recently had a hysterectomy. And so those jokes have now 
change shape entirely in a way that I am so proud of. I have, there's yeah. so much joy in performing the jokes. And before when there was uncertainty, when there was like, I don't know what my body's going to be like in a couple years. Like now it's like, I had a hysterectomy. I am so excited about it. I had the ultimate abortion come out and celebrate with me. So it's much more of a vibe. So I think it all happened on the right timeline. Yeah, absolutely. As a sidebar, did you or have you done Kill Tony yet? Is that something that you're interested in? I did that way back in the day. Okay, and I, I was like, trying to remember because I was doing research and before they started recording it live and doing now it's a thing, uh, just like a make or break for comedians. I was trying to remember if you did it or not. Yeah, I did it way back in the day. And it's you know what's so funny is... Um, I did it once and I did well. And then I did it another time and I did not so well. And it was because there was a joke that wasn't stage logical yet. Okay. Um, it was chronologically correct, but it wasn't stage logical, if that makes any sense. It's it a, does. A person, yeah, I get it. I'm a 12 step person, so I tend to tell the truth, nothing but the truth, um, because I don't want to, like, you know, drink and break out in felonies so i have to be like really careful and so it's so funny because a couple of comics sat me down and they were like anna it's not audience logical and so they kind of explained it's not like lying to like put it into the terms that make sense for the audience and um and it's this really dark joke about and it's the name of the album murder puss um it's this really dark joke about how i kept dating guys that would die and how like it's this thing of like well if it's me what does that mean about me like what like is that pussy that good or that good you know like like to die for or what and so like um that has been uh that joke ironically did not do well in kill tony and it is a it's not only a, a staple of the album it's the name of the album now so Take that, uh, 40 yeah, I mean, nerds in the comedy yeah. store. <laughs> That's funny. So you mentioned the roast battles. I've had a few roast comics on. Mm -hmm. and Who have you had? I had Sarah Tiana on. She's been on the show. Amazing. Earl Skakel's been on. Um, and a couple others intermittently that have done the roast battles. Uh, Sarah Tolomach, just a bunch of different ones. But I'm interested to know... I find the roast fascinating because it's a very thin line between funny and not like actually taking a personal attack on somebody. So it's more the way it was explained to me uh, is that you're maybe talking about something. It's like a thumbnail sketch of a person that is relatably yes. correct. Yes. Um, and not necessarily, even though some of them do come across as like, really deep so how do you find the line between funny and just being mean because it yes. can maybe be a little bit of both i don't know if i'm making any sense yeah no you're making total sense it is um my uh okay so how i did it was i would take in all of the information about the person i could i would research them i would listen to every podcast they had done i would look at tons of pictures of them we used to put their pictures on our phone like it was your boyfriend or something very silly we were very committed to the bit and um i would 
take I would write sort of what I had worked in drug and alcohol treatment for many years. And um, there's a thing called an MMPI, which is a general like psychological profile of somebody. And so I would sort of write my mean girl profile on that person, you know, how they look, how they uh, how they act kind of like I would try to nail down sort of their essence, like the thing that made them annoying because we're all annoying. Right. Yeah. And then, um, and then I would write stream of consciousness about 80 to hundred jokes and narrow it down to 10. And, um, that is an insane person's process. No one else did it like that. I'm a psychopath, but what I would find not, I'm not like an actual psychopath. Please don't. Ah, no, I have empathy. I swear. <laughs> um, you're good. Thank you. Um, but in that, t- in, in comedy turns, that's an insane person thing to do. Right. So what I would do is I, um, and then I would like sit down with my homie, Keith Carey, and I would read the jokes to him and we would categorize them. Good, great, bad trash. And, um, and we would do it like a little writer's room and go back and forth. And, and what's interesting is I wouldn't let anybody write my jokes for me. I was like very much like a little kid who was like, I'm going to learn how to tie my shoes. And it's got knots everywhere. And you know, the vel- there's Velcro on your forehead. How'd that even get there? Like, like, um, but that process allowed me to learn how to like refine jokes. And, um, and then uh, I would practice them obsessively and go up and, and do the roasting. Now, how you find the edge, I think, is number one, you got to also really like the person. Yeah. You got to really like the idea. You have to like the person enough to make fun of them, which for a Latino person is easy. Because if we like you, we're going to make fun of you. If we don't like you, we're not even going to talk to you. We're not even going to look at you. That's just the way it is. So it's like if you're like, they're going to be like, they're going to be like, look, that's you. Like, for example, my dad. I had uh, I busted all my teeth out when I was a kid in an accident. I had silver teeth and I'd walk through the living room. My dad be watching James Bond or something on TV back when TNT just play whatever all the time. And he would see Jaws and he would go, look, Miha, it's you. It's you. You're on TV. You're on TV. And that's (laughs) love. Like that's love. And so to have those moments like uh, and coming from a 12 step world, too, it's like if you're really loved and you're, you've achieved something and people want to share at you about that, they're going to make fun of you. They're going to yeah, be like, I remember, no, for sure. I remember when we were stealing carburetors just to like, or, you know, stealing catalytic converters just to make money to do drugs. And now look at us now, you know? And like, so that kind of like roast the ones you love is in my bones. Um, finding the line, there's a couple of ways. I think for women specifically, Sarah Tiana is a great example of this always laugh, always smile. I always smile. I come out like, Oh my God. And legitimately like the jokes written about you. I have favorite jokes written about me and like legitimately really like them is I think an important part. Um, and then the second part is kind of like recognizing that you got to know your audience. So the difference between the audience and the belly room, the meanest group of people I've ever met in my life, like literally you could just be vicious to each other and they'd be like yeah like they loved it it was like the bdsm of comedy they were like get the whips like they were so excited right and um to the television audience and understanding like oh no these people if i had there's a um the prelim you can see it on the internet it's me and keith carey 
really good friends. We're like besties at the time. And if I had done that, that battle in the belly room, no cameras, it would have been a very different battle. Sure. Oh, for sure. Very mean jokes. Very vicious mean jokes to say to him about that. Um, when it came down to it, the TV assignment's a little bit different. People want to have fun. So I made five insane, absurdist fat jokes in a row. Because that's kind of the two ways you can go. You can write like a profile. You can do a variety of like, here's why your personality is bad. Here's why your body is funny. Here's why you're this, you're that, you know. Or you can hit one category over and over and over again because there's only so much a person can do. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy Carr said that. We were talking yeah. about how like Jeff Ross is so good at the roast because it's not only funny, but you also feel like you're invited to the party. Same with yes. like a Nikki Glazer roast. I could talk about this all day, honestly, because I, I love comedy. Uh, and when I was talking to Jimmy Carr, he said something very similar not to name drop, but he's a roaster. He's very he's amazing. Known he's for taking people down. Incredible. Um, yeah. But he said that the way you describe it, it's like a character trait that everybody's familiar with, or it's a, you know, say it's a public incident that happened that everybody knows about, you know, like Alec Baldwin and his daughter, Ireland, you know, him drunk calling or drunk texting. Right. And then somebody going, oh, hey, you know, it's the first time I've talked to my dad since he left that voicemail, you know, that kind of thing like that. So I think it's fascinating. It, it makes me miss the Comedy Central roast days where they would actually take a public figure and roast them. That's a whole nother conversation. Yeah, I mean, it's it was a time and the place. When yeah. I started, I started comedy in 2014. I was roasting and on TV by 2015, which is, wow. again, bonkers. And um, I, I have to say between 2015 and now, everything's changed comedically. I don't know. I think the slap's a good example. Um, the infamous Oscars slap. Uh, a lot of, just so you know, a lot of roasters wrote the jokes of that Oscar ceremony. Yeah, I know. I, and yeah. yeah. And um, uh, I love it. It was it was crazy because I was on um, I was on a, a charity show. We were on the show to raise money uh, for a local L.A. Uh, L.A. City Council person, Eunices Hernandez, who's amazing and super progressive. And all of a sudden, all of our phones just go crazy. And it's not just that it's text messages. It's like, do you know who wrote that joke? Blah, blah, blah. So it was just crazy. But what I will say is I think that was a, a moment in time that showed us that the world isn't as mean as it used to be. I don't think it wants, I don't think it wants mean roasts anymore. I think it wants a little something different. I think we're, um, I think everyone needs a hug. <laughs> Not to say that com comedy has to be a hug, but I think, I think at the time we learned that like humor's changed and what people are willing to like, have come in and out of their humor sphere is is a lot different now and um yeah for and sure. so i love those days it was such a magic moment 
And it's, I'm also very excited that we've all grown and we're doing different stuff and we're all, you know, writing different things, doing th different things. I went back to college to write TV and I've gotten to write on some independent shows and, and like, uh, that is to say non-union got taken advantage of, didn't scab, I promise. Uh, not taken advantage <laughs> of, but low budget, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, for sure. Um, so, so there is, um, I think it's it's a time and a place and it's okay to acknowledge that like that time and place was really great. Like when I get stuck and there's some jokes that did not age well on this album, when I get stuck comedically and I need to dislodge my brain, I listen to um, David Tell's Skanks for the Ages, of course. Um, and then, uh, wait, is that the right one? That's David Tell's Skanks, Skanks, Skanks. Sounds familiar, there. yeah. I yeah, now I'm terrible. Somebody, some comedy nerd is like, eh, eh, eh. okay, shush. Um, and I listen, I listen to Chad Daniels' Footprints on the Moon. Those are the two albums I listen to. Um, and uh, I feel like, and also Maria Bamford, anything Maria Bamford's ever done, uh, always great for me because that's again that walking that line of like dark and silly. Yeah. And um, and so I think yeah, it's a it's a crazy thing. You want to hear a side story about Sarah Tiani? You'll never hear from anyone else. Yeah, for sure. You ready? Because it's she's a hero. So I used she to. She was amazing. She was so kind. She is the kindest. She is so sweet. I was dating a comedian um, for a while, and we had lived together. And I was working from home, uh, just grinding out that day job money like you do in LA. And he was opening for her in uh, the Tahoe Improv and reno tahoe the same basically so he's out there at some improv and um they go skiing because you know being a feature sometimes it's like let's go hang with the headliner and she's also a delight and he's also a delight so they were like let's go skiing together and he hit a tree and cut his leg open oh, God. so deeply that he had to be emergency vacked off the mountain to the hospital to have emergency surgery and then this lunatic two days later is hosting the show because he was hosting that weekend he had to host to make that host money so i was like let me come get you blah 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 he was like no i'm gonna stay in tahoe with my emergency surgery leg i'm like okay cool couldn't even get his pants on the oh, feature God. that weekend had to like help him get his pants on to get on stage because he could not lift his pants up. His leg was so swollen. So I get a call. It's like midday. I'm working in some like call center. And like I get this call. Or I get a text from Sarah Tiana. She goes, hi, this is Sarah Tiana. I want you to know that um, your boyfriend's been in an accident. He's not going to die, but he is getting emergency <laughs> lifted off the mountain. And I was like, what? And she was like, I mean, you can see the inside of his leg, uh, not down to the bone, but almost there. And I was like, whoa. And um, I was too shy to be like, hey, girl, you take any pictures? Let me see that leg because I'm a psycho. Um, but uh, yeah, she literally was like clear presence of mind was like, hey, no one's going to panic. Uh, can I get a copy of his insurance card? Um, can I talk to his parents? you know, his emergency contacts and we just handled it. And if it wasn't for here for her that day, I mean, I might have had another dead boyfriend. So I'm really 
really, really excited um, that she was there. She was the hero. She's amazing. You could literally trust Sarah Tiana with your life. Yeah. That much I know. Yeah. That, she was so <laughs> much fun to talk to. Um, well, what a career you've had. I tell you, you've got that album taping this Sunday. Um, you've done so many different things. I did want to ask out of everything, you know, you've been at this for a while. Um, is there been a moment that, let me back up. Has there been a moment or is there a moment where you feel the most validated as a comedian as we wrap up here? Okay. I'm going to tell you a local story. This happened at high plains and, um, I, I got to do it, not this last year, but the year before. And it's the little things because you can do a TV show and then be working at a bar in BFE, Arizona, and no one knows your name and nobody cares. Yeah. You know, you're just some lady. They think you're, they think you're a comics mom, you know, like it's crazy. And so feeling legitimate is so difficult. I traveled all over the world. I performed comedy in Asia. I went everywhere. I had so much fun, but I still struggle. Like you'll notice everybody struggles with imposter syndrome. So I'm doing High Plains and I got to do uh, the Kyle Kinane and Friends showcase and I'm so excited. I'm with a hero. He's hosting. I'm first up. It's at a big venue. I can't remember. It's one of those bars. I'm mixing up my venue names from all the different stuff. It's like a big bar with a low black ceiling and it's very difficult to see uh, the back of the room. And I go up and in case you don't know if you're listening to this and you don't know about high plains comedy festival it is um it is a home run derby it is just just the, every, the crowds are hot you're just like crack 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 just like living yeah. your best life and i have really bad adhd i'm a professional i have really bad adhd but i'm all amped and i run the light and i don't only run the light i double my time i run the light bad and i don't know i'm running the light but i'm killing so i don't know at one point i go let me run the what's it what time what time am i at and i should have just tapped out that i was like i'm gonna give you one more joke so i give him one more joke and the guy's like he's waving his phone around but this is not the venue for a phone this is a venue for a full on light you need a you need a little flashlight go to the 99 get yourself a flashlight my man so I can't see anything and I get off stage and I, you know, as you know, for example, you come from, you come from, uh, San Francisco, you run the light at the punchline. You can find out about it. You might not ever come back. You know, yeah, you, look you don't run sideways the at the punchline. You might not ever come back. You know what I mean? So like, so it, but it was just a pure, honest, stupid accident and I couldn't see it. And so I get off stage and I'm having, a panic attack i am flipping my lid i am texting people i am calling my sponsor i'm losing my mind i'm like i'm never gonna work in colorado again and i get this tap on my arm this gentleman taps my arm and he goes hey great set and i was like oh uh, thank you i'm actually i'm i'm I, i'm not even looking up 
I'm like, I'm freaking out. I ran, I ran the light. I couldn't see the light and I, and I ran the light. And I'm just, I'm terrified. And then he rests his hand on my arm and it's Adam Clayton. <laughs> oh yeah. Goes, Adam, he's Anna. coming on the show here in a few weeks. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, Anna, I booked you. Calm down. You didn't bomb. You did good. It's okay. And he just talked me up. He goes, I'm not mad at you. You're not going to get, you're not. And I was like, okay. He's like, I'm in charge. I'm not mad at you. And I was like, thank you. And like, that was a moment where I felt like I'm respected by a peer. Love it's it. not like, and I'm not at a, I'm not at a comedy festival. A lot of times comedy festivals will remind you that you are an, a submission. You are a applicant, you know, you know, like, oh, we have allowed you into our city, you know, and to have somebody be like, no, dude, you're a pro and you were killing and you couldn't see the light. We get it. What are you going to do? And, what are you going to do? And I was like, thank you. That's what I needed. Um, and, um, and he was, and it wasn't like, it wasn't like that pep talk happened and he like did the like comic thing where it's like, Oh God, I don't want to talk to this crazy person. He was nothing but delightful the entire weekend. I felt completely welcomed. And, um, and it was one of the best comedy experiences of my life. I felt completely refreshed by the end of the weekend and everybody there was like incredible and professional. And so uh, I say all that to say that was, that was my moment. So yeah. Colorado, you do it right. <laughs> awesome. Well, congratulations. I'm excited for you. I should be there this Sunday for the taping. Uh, and uh, for people listening from the local area, tickets are still available for Sunday night or is it tickets? Yeah, tickets are still available. Uh, go to thecomedyfort.com. They have uh, tickets on the calendar there. Um, and I, I would say go to annavalenswheeler.com. It might be updated. It might not go there. You know what? By the time this podcast comes out, go to annavalenswheeler.com. And you can also go to my band camp or not band camp. Um, you can go to my um, bands in town. Go to bands yes. in town. Yeah. Um, and that'll be all updated for you. Also, I'll be at Sushi High. If you can't make it up to the fort, I get it. Don't worry. I'm going to run the hour. It's Sushi High in Denver for my love Katie Bowman and 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 and, and Brad. I, I love them so much. Uh, they're just my favorite couch to crash on out there in Denver. So come out and see them. Also, Kyle Clark will be on the show and Andrew Hillary will be on the show. So uh, come on out. Uh, thank you so much. Thanks for listening and being a part of today's conversation. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider sharing it with a friend. It's absolutely free. A major proportion. The views and opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host. And remember, we care.